On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go down in the home opener against the New York Knicks on this Friday evening in Atlanta. We'll touch on all of what transpired, where the Hawks fell short, what issues might persist in the future, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1576 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday. And today's show is brought to you by Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. You get to $500 in five minutes or less, no credit check and no late fees. Also want to tell you at the top of the podcast, as I always do on the show, to make it your first listen each and every day here at Lockdown Hawks. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, places like YouTube on the video side, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And today's show will break down what became a frustrating, narrow loss for the Hawks at home, 126 to 120 at the hands of the Knicks at State Farm Arena in the home opener. The Hawks were down actually all night long, really. They had one lead in the game. It was early. There were two shots that the Hawks had in the air in the second half to take the lead. Neither one of those fell. They were down by seven points with 50 seconds to go and looked to be kind of dead to rights. And then Basically, they had like a 10% win probability at that point in time, but then the Knicks almost basically imploded. They tried to get the game to the Hawks, or at least let the Hawks stay in the game, which we'll come back to later on in more detail, and left the door open for the Hawks, but the Hawks could not run through that open door. They kind of refused to take the game back. A couple bad misses from Mike Capella down the stretch. Trey Young missed one at, at the rim in the, in the final minutes, and uh, yeah, a rough one all the way around for Atlanta, and the end result was a six-point loss at home. Big picture, though. I want to leave with this. Um, the Hawks played... Well on offense for the most part in this game, other than maybe Trey and a couple of other uh, little things. And they did play better, I thought, on the whole than they did on Wednesday. And look, losing to the Knicks at home is not a devastating defeat in terms of like unacceptable. Obviously, you know, they were favored on Wednesday. They were not favored tonight, actually. But at the same time, and also they were down against seven with under a minute to go. You're supposed to lose that one. But regardless... Um, there were mistakes and certainly everyone talked about all kinds of stuff post game about like missed opportunities and being more consistent and all that stuff. In fact, I want to play you some sound. Quint Snyder came in to the press conference room and gave an opening statement without a question. And uh, I'm going to play that for you now. Just by the way, forgive Quinn's voice. It's already, uh, it was already shot in pregame. So uh, he's a little bit raspy here, but here is what Quinn had to say when he sat down after the game. I think you can point to a lot of things, um, but kind of the umbrella, I guess for me is, is just, our lack of um, execution in, you know, a lot of different situations. Um, things that I, I know that we've talked about, we've worked on, and, you know, we've got to be more focused in the course of a game, and we've got to communicate to one another in order to do those things. Um, and, you know, it, it wasn't just one or two things. It was, it was a number of things. And still, we put ourselves in a position where we have a chance to win. I was obviously happy with the way we battled back in the fourth quarter. Um, but we made too many mistakes relative to, you know, execution on the game plan, contesting a shot. Um, I thought we started doing, when we, when we did some of those things, you know, we, we saw some success. And it just, as I said, it's a question of, you know, doing them all the time. So you hear it there, obviously, from Quinn. Uh, nobody's happy about what transpired. 
they had missed opportunities. It wasn't just one thing at the end of the game, although obviously we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but anyway, for me, some takeaways from this one sort of observationally and also just from my analysis, it's a defense first loss for the Hawks in a lot of ways. Keep in mind the NBA games are 48 minutes, so um, obviously a lot of focus at the end of the game, but the Hawks actually lost this game defensively in the first three quarters for me. And also when they were again down seven with like a minute to go, um, I thought, I thought they were better defensively in the fourth quarter, although the entire game kind of grinded to a halt in the fourth of times. I think both teams looked to be tired to me, maybe because that was kind of a high-paced, you know, high-action game before that. But even after all of that, the Knicks had about a 120 offensive rating in the game. And look, New York was pretty good on offense last year. They were top five in the league in offense. But you can't allow that kind of scoring efficiency in a game where um, you, you weren't like flying super high on offense. They did a pretty good job around the rim, actually held the Knicks to 40 points in the paint. That's a good number. In fact, the Knicks had 11th percentile rim frequency in this game. So they were kind of, it's a credit to Atlanta's big men in particular, kind of just walling off the paint. But the Knicks also made 20 three-pointers in this game, including 19 in the first three quarters. Some of that, I will say, is a tip of the cap to the Knicks. They made a lot of shots in this one. They were 14 of 28 on non-corner threes, the more difficult attempts. So that's obviously very good. But some of it, was also bad defense from the Hawks. I didn't love the overall plan. The Hawks were being a little bit too aggressive for me as far as like doubling Julius Randle, et cetera. But, and that's kind of the plan though. I think that the Hawks um, after the last couple of years are pivoting more in a more aggressive kind of opportunistic habit creating defense direction. And this kind of, this is, this is one of the downsides. I talked about this a lot in preseason. You know, one of the downsides to doing more aggression on the defensive end of the floor is that you can have more breakdowns, more rotations and kind of allow more threes in this game that bit them. Um, they ended up with nine steals, uh, sorry, eight steals. That's a good number, uh, but only three or four of those in the first three quarters. For example, they allowed 43, 44 three point attempts. That's a, that's a ton that would have led the league last year. So um, you, you're kind of hoping the, that the other team misses in that, in that standpoint, the Knicks to their credit made shots, but the Hawks were also below average in terms of tr- turnover creation and defensive rebounding and free throw prevention. So they basically were not good at anything defensively in this game by the numbers. They allowed uh, 16 past three points. That's actually way too many as well. And overall the Knicks had a 93rd percentile half court offensive efficiency. So when things were not running and gunning, the Knicks were able to score at a high level, and that's a good way to get yourself beat, especially in a home game when you cannot get stops. And uh, that's been a familiar Hawks problem. In some ways, this game was much more aligned to a uh, the Hawks the last couple of years as far as like losing on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, on Wednesday, it was the offense that let them down. Tonight, it was the defense. Speaking of the offense, the Hawks were pretty good, I would say, on the whole in this game offensively. Now, there were things to nitpick, as we'll talk about in a second. Um, they were much better on Wednesday than they were on Wednesday on offense. They had about a 115-ish offensive rating in this game. That is pretty good. It's not elite, but it's pretty good. Um, they took half their shots at the rim. That's a very good sign. 54 points in the paint is also a pretty good number. But And they also made 12 threes, and that's not a bad number at all. But like New York, they actually were cold in the fourth quarter, and they only took 32 three-point attempts. So more than Wednesday, I am confident, though, that Quinn Snyder wants to take more than 32 threes, especially if you're going to allow 44. And I always hear from people that don't that don't really uh, buy into this. I, I, totally, I totally get it. But in general, um, Analytically friendly coaches like Quinn do not want to take 12 fewer threes in a game than your opponent, basically. And that's where we are at this point in time. Um, In fact, that would have been well below league average in terms of attempts, 32 for the full game. They did have 30 free throw attempts. They only had 14 turnovers compared to 28 assists. Those are all really good numbers. But I have to also say that Trey Young was really bad efficiency-wise, again, in this game. He was 460 from the floor. Uh, Trey is struggling as far as his own shooting is concerned. Now, there are other factors. He's obviously a fantastic passer, 
but through two games, Trey Young is 8 of 35 from the floor. And it is going to be hard for the Hawks to do what they need to do when he does that. Now, is it impossible? No, obviously not. Um, in fact, they got a lot out of DeAndre Hunter in this game on offense. They got a lot of Bogdanovich in this game on offense to offset some of that. But Murray wasn't great either. He had 18 points on 18 shooting possessions. That stuff's not, not terribly efficient. But in general, Trey and Ajante have to be better. They weren't as bad, I didn't think, as they were on Wednesday offensively. But um, the Hawks kind of, I don't want to say wasted, but they they in the end, they kind of wasted a really good Hunter game, a pretty good bogey game, and not when they actually made some threes because they couldn't get stops and also because Trey wasn't his best self. So we'll get into that more specifically later on in the podcast. But for me anyway, a defense first loss and a game the Hawks really uh, lost in the first 47 minutes, more so than the final minute when the Knicks were trying to get the game back to the Hawks and they could have taken it for sure. But uh, in the end, it was more about the first 47 for me. Um, just for some context before we move on to the observation part of the podcast, the Hawks were 2-2 two and two against the Knicks last year. Um, these teams are pretty similar in terms of their projections. The Knicks were probably a little bit higher than the Hawks in most places. Uh, both teams are pretty healthy in this one as well. But by tip-off, the friends at FanDuel that we have over there had the Hawks as a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home, which basically tells you that the market believes the Knicks are better than the Hawks because they were favored in the game, also also being on the road with a neutral rest environment. So all that said, you know, losing this game, not like the sky is falling. Again, you're, you're playing a much better opponent than you were playing on Wednesday. But still, that is kind of the, the big picture. And now we'll drill down to the specific pictures of this game as far as how the game went. And we'll talk about crunch time, et cetera. But first, it worked from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Dave. And at one time or another, we all need a little bit of financial help. That's why Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need a hand between paychecks. It can help you build credit by settling extra cash TM advances on time. Dave is a banking app that helps you level the playing field financially. When you, when you download Dave, you get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's just part of Dave's extra cash TM account. Advance the money you need with no interest and settle up later. Extra cash TM gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get your car repaired, or catch up on bills without having to actually wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit when you settle up on time. Millions of folks have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So if you're at a pinch, get the help you need by downloading Dave. Download Dave right now today at dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. Gives you $500 in five minutes or less with no credit check and no late fees. Download the Get Dave app now or go to dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Baking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. There is a lot of uncertainty in the world today. It's important to be prepared. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also use, you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. Jace Medical now offers you different choices for your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications available. Choose the medications that fit best for you and your family's unique needs. And they are always continually working to expand the medication offerings at Jace Medical with new additions all the time. With Jace Medical, you can also buy a gift card for family or loved ones so they can actually get a Jace case of their own. And with Jace Medical, you will not be caught unprepared, something I know is quite valuable in any aspect of life. Go to jacemedical.com and enter promo code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That is promo code locked on at jasemedical.com. Jacemedical.com, promo code locked on. All right, back to the top in this one, and that is uh, with the outset. The Hawks actually took took and missed threes on their first three trips on the floor, which is obviously uh, an emphasis after the game on Wednesday, it felt like. Um, defensively, it was DeJounte on Jalen Brunson who had a tough time, all, all things considered. It was 
bay on Julius Randle, which didn't necessarily work or not work in some ways. They kind of were over-aggressive, def- uh, doubling him, et cetera. Uh, I thought Hunter started things out aggressively and that continued the entire game. He had a nice help side block attempt on Mitchell Robinson. He was called for a foul, but that's totally fine. Be more aggressive there. Good to see him defensively kind of making some havoc plays. Um, Hunter had a nice cut early in the game as well. A nice pass by Bay for a bucket. Actually had two fouls and they, and they stay with him, which just makes sense. I know he found out of the game on Wednesday, but Hunter is generally a pretty low foul player, unlike, uh, let's just say, a Kongwu, for instance. Um, but the Hawks actually missed their first five threes again, which is crazy because they ended up 12 of 32, which is a pretty good number. But at one point, they were 5 of 34 for the season from three. That's 14.7%. Kind of brutal. Uh, rotationally, it was very, very similar to Wednesday. And we'll talk about this more later on, but it was essentially an eight and a half man rotation in this game. AJ Griffin played basically two stints of four minutes. He played eight minutes in the game. Everybody else played at least 20 minutes. And that was a Kongwu with 20. Everybody else was, was over 26 minutes. So it was very, very spread out. 35 each for, for Trey and DeJounte is typical, but 30 for Jalen. 32 for Hunter, uh, 28 Capella, 26 Bay, 26 Bogey. It was very, very, very balanced, but clearly AJ Griffin is nine out of nine, which we talked about a little bit on Wednesday, but that was even more stark in this game. Uh, the first run went to New York, as you might have referenced, considering that they never trailed basically the entire rest of the game. Um, the Hawks were actually down by 10 in a hurry after a first run by the Knicks. That was actually their first um, 10 point deficit of the season after they were within uh, seven the entire time in Charlotte. Um, but the the probably the positive highlight of the night was the ridiculous dunk by Jalen Johnson annihilating Isaiah Hartenstein on a dunk. Um, I'm sure you've seen it by now if you're listening to this podcast. If you haven't, you can find it on social media, I'm sure. Uh, but Jalen kept like just rising in a way that he is just a monster athlete and he's so long. It was really on two different guys. But Hartenstein got the brunt of it at the, at the back of things. But that was a fun moment. The, uh, the, the arena popped, et cetera. A big time play from Jalen. Uh, Trey came back in after a Hornets run, slowed things down a little bit. The Murray plus bench unit did not work in this game. Trey plus bench was better. Um, they set up a three for AJ at one point. Trey went by himself. Actually, the Hawks, after making only five threes on Wednesday, hit three of them in about a minute in the first quarter, which was uh, nice to see. Um, but they were down by four at the end of the first quarter, not because of the offense. Again, they scored at a high level. They had nine assists in the first quarter. But defensively, they allowed five threes, uh, 10 free throw attempts, et cetera. Um, the Hawks actually climbed all the way back from basically down by 10 all the way down to, down to a tie once again. Um, again, it was less of AJ than you might expect. They actually went back to Bay as the small forward in that lineup early in the second quarter and fourth quarters alongside Jalen. That kind of explains why Griffin played less. Um, but defensively, it was pretty rough at times. In fact, like the worst lineup probably that, that, I, that I saw defensively was that Trey Bogey Bay perimeter group, which is uh, kind of unsustainable, I think. You kind of have to score at a high level. Like not that not, not that DeJounte is great because he's not defensively, in my opinion. I've been pretty critical of that. But Trey Bogey and Bay on the perimeter defensively is just kind of it's kind of untenable, honestly. Um just really couldn't get stops. <laughs> I'm gonna repeat my, re, repeat that a lot, I'd, I'd imagine this podcast, but it's pretty rough. Um, they did have a nice 7-0 run in the middle of the quarter after Hunter actually had a nice kickout pass to Bogey for a three. Um, not the one, not not the not like a crazy tray level pass, but a good, a good read and a good delivery from DeAndre. And then Jalen had a dunk in transition. There was a possession that I wanted to highlight actually that it did not go the Hawks' way, but uh, Trey got caught as the low man defensively and was only him between Mitchell Robinson, who's a seven foot behemoth and the rim and Trey smartly in my mind gambled for a steal on a pass and he didn't get it. So it was like one of those things like it kind of looked bad. But if you take stock of that, like if Trey just sits back, Mitchell Robinson is going to grab the ball and dunk it because Trey can't do anything there. Maybe, maybe he can foul him, but that's the best case scenario. 
But Trey had a decent chance, I thought, if you watch the replay back, to get the steal. He didn't he didn't, he didn't get it. But actually, that was a pretty smart gamble, quote-unquote, from Trey. Anyway, just a small thing there that I, wouldn't, I wanted to point out. Um, the Knicks had a nice little run at the end of the first half to go up by 11. The Hawks were – they got it back within eight. There was a bad possession at the very, very end. Trey took a pretty bad long two at the last possession, and the Hawks broke down in transition, allowed a dunk at the buzzer, bad concentration, and uh, something that I think Quint was referencing earlier about just the fact that they were not consistent in this game. Um, it was the best offensive half of the season. Still, through four halves, that was their best offensive performance in that first half. They scored 61 points on 49 possessions. That's very, very good. Hunter had 16, played very well. They shot well from three, et cetera. Um, they did have nine turnovers, led to 15 points for the Knicks. That's not what you want. Um, but Trey was you know, one of nine. He and Jante were still struggling. And defensively, they gave up 140 defensive rating in the first half. Rough. After that, the Hawks were better. I mean, the Hawks were down by eight at the half. And they lost by six, but it was really you know a two point game in the very in, at the very very end. Um, they were overhelping too much again, allowing too many semi open or open threes. But the Knicks were scalding hot. Jalen Brunson had eight threes in the first like you know two and a half quarters. Um, they were red hot in general. Um, the Hawks did play well on offense to catch up, to sort of keep up. I would say in the third quarter, um, Trey actually waved AJ onto the ball for a step back three that he made. Um, but again, late in the quarter, a 10-2 run by the Knicks to close things out. Some flashbacks to those like old Cavs series where the Hawks are just giving up way too many threes against Buzz scheme, et cetera. Um, 19 threes from New York in three quarters, only four steals, all that's it. Uh, in the fourth, they were down by 11 actually, again, after a, a really, really bad mistake actually. Isaiah Hartenstein was at the free throw line, missed a free throw, and then got his own rebound and dunked. That just cannot happen for anyone. Uh, the shooter should be the easiest box out that you have. They missed it. All that said, that was a total, total breakdown down by 11 points. Um, it was pretty sloppy, though, I will say, in the fourth on both sides. Again, I think they were probably a little bit tired. But there was a 10-0 run by the Hawks to get back within one. And from there, it was pretty close the last eight minutes of this game. Um, Akongwu struggled on the glass against Mitchell Robinson, who's a great rebounder, I will say. Uh, maybe a top five guy in the league on the glass. But Akongwu looked small in that matchup. I will have to admit that. A um, couple of, again, I mentioned once before, the Hawks had two shots in the air for the lead. In the entire second half, one was an AJ three that was short, and then Hunter had one in the air with about six to go, also short. Pulled the kind of the, the string on that one, and uh, there you go. A um, couple of bad offensive possessions though. Murray drove into the crowd at one point and got blocked. Uh, Jalen missed a jump shot pretty badly at one point. They were able to keep it keep it close because nobody scored for a while. There was one point scored in like three minutes, middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, the Hawks went back to starters actually for a couple minutes. Um, as my friend Tower Jones, I will credit him for this. It seemed like, to me, um, they wanted to close with Jalen, which they ended up doing, but Jalen would have had to play like a long, long time in a row. So a quick blow for him, um, and then it was back to Jalen down the stretch. But the Hawks were down by two, sorry, down by four with 2.15 to go out of a timeout. Murray got a decent look from about 10 feet and missed it with two minutes to go. I didn't love that process. Like, that wasn't a terrible shot, but out of a timeout, I expect better than that probably in that spot. And then a corner through by Julius Randle. So this is one that I talked about on Twitter. I already had typed in my notes that, that was the biggest swing of the game. Again, Hawks down by four. Decent look by Murray again, but misses it. And then Randle hits a tough corner three, and they're down by seven. And at, at that point, the Hawks are big underdogs already at that moment. And then Clay Capella missed the first of his two bad missed bunnies down the stretch. So if you throw that in there, it's even worse. But I already thought that, and then you throw in the Capella one, it was pretty rough. So then, again, the Hawks are down by seven with 50 seconds to go. And that's a really, really tough spot. But then Hunter hits a three. 
And then Trey gets a steal, gets fouled right away. So it's a, it's a five-point swing in about 20 seconds to go from down seven to down by two. And then the Knicks turn it over after a timeout just in horrific fashion at midcourt. Like just a terrible turnover by the Knicks. And then, as you all I'm sure have seen by now, Trey creates, throws a lob over Mitchell Robinson, who looked like he might have like maybe deflected it a little bit, but it was a great pass by Trey. And then Clint just botches it. And I know that I have a reputation for defending Clint. There's no defending Clint on these two plays. Um, he could have he grabbed it and come down if he wasn't ready to shoot that ball at that point in time. The first one that he missed, it felt like he was caught in between mentally whether to dunk it or whether to lay it in. That happens, but it's, it was bad. No question about that. The second one, he kind of just lost the ball. It was – look, it's, it gets to be kind of funny because Capella – is super efficient and finishes well around the rim in a lot of ways. But also when he misses like this, it is enraging. And I always say that analogy, there's no defending these two plays. It can't happen in that spot. He would tell you that anyone would tell you that these guys are pros can't happen. Um, it becomes a referendum on Capella as a player, which, I, which that's what drives me crazy. Cause he's still a good player, but two awful plays can't be, can't be explained. Um, and then after the Hawks foul, Trey comes down and misses a layup as well. So the Hawks literally missed three flat-out layup slash dunks in the last 90 seconds of the game. Now, they probably lose anyway if Trey makes his because you're still at the foul at that point in time, down by two, but they were still in the game if that goes in. And when it missed, it was over, basically. So Clint's were way worse, don't get me wrong, but the Hawks missed three layups literally in like five possessions in the in the last two minutes of the game. Pretty frustrating. So all that said, like it's a frustrating loss. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, I'll come back to the player stuff in a second. Um, I wouldn't say it's a terrible loss because, again, you're playing a pretty good team. You were literally the underdog coming into the night. And also, the Hawks never led this game. Like, I know it was, it felt like they collapsed, quote-unquote, at the end because of Capella's misses. They were trailing the entire way. And you could argue that even if Capella makes that second one to tie the game, New York has the ball. Like, it was like they were in this, com- this, com- uh, this commanding position. So, Maddening for sure. The Knicks tried to, like, actively tried to give the Hawks back the game after taking it away, and the Hawks didn't take it. So, uh, frustrating stuff, but I'm required to say, by law, it's one of the 82, because it is, it is. Um, and I understand all of all the angst, and uh, a tough one on Sunday, this looming, which we'll talk about later on in this podcast, but one, the Hawks could have stolen for sure, but they were not necessarily, like, quote-unquote, the better team in this game. The Knicks shot the heck out of the ball, which has happened sometimes, and uh, anyway, I'll stop rambling there for now. All right. A break now from our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about the individual player stuff from this contest. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is a skill-based, real money daily fantasy sports game. And at Prize Picks, you pick two to six players, choose whether they'll actually have more or less than a certain number of Prize Picks projection points, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. It's just you against the numbers at Prize Picks, not against other people. It's just you against the projections. An entry at Prize Picks will be done in just a minute or less. That makes life very easy for you. And Prize Picks also offers improved deposit and withdrawal experiences, including the option to use Apple Pay for quick deposits. They have discounts as well, plus bonuses and other exciting offers like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. And they have a huge selection of sports and stat type that offer anywhere else, and includes projections on the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, and much more. They're operational in more than 30 states, plus Canada. And Prize Picks is the best way to have action in more than 70% of the country. I've really enjoyed all the offerings for Prize Picks. 
dating back to baseball season, now basketball and football ripping up as well. I'm really looking forward to diving in all season long. And on the whole, the experience with Price Picks is really easy and really fun. I highly recommend it. PricePix.com slash LockedOnNBA is the place to go. Use promo code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. One more time, that is PricePix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use promo code LockedOnNBA when you get there. Check out Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy with Price Picks. All right, and only nine guys played. And again, it was really an eight and a half minute rotation in this one. AJ Griffin played eight minutes. He actually took four threes. I love that from AJ. If he's out there, get them up. That is uh, a ready-made skill for him. He made two of them. Um, you know, Trey said after the game, like it's like kind of the first time they've had they've had a coach that's like actively pushing threes like this, which is obviously not what Nate was doing. But AJ, um, would I mind if he played more? No, but I think he's certainly at least is viewed as the as the last guy in the rotation right now. Six points in eight minutes, two rebounds. He looked fine. Took four threes. We'll leave it there. Akangwu, 20 minutes, six points, two rebounds, two steals and a block, four fouls. He now has, I believe it's nine fouls in 39 minutes of action. That's way too many. That's a problem for him. I thought he was not very good in this game. Um, not that he was like glaringly bad by any means, but it's a tough matchup for him. Admittedly, like the Knicks have two very big active centers in Robinson and Hartenstein, not stars, but guys who are good players and they're much bigger than him. Um, I thought Okongwu was kind of just like weirdly mid for him. Not again, not awful, but uh, not, not a huge factor either. And rebounding wise, he was rough. Um, we'll leave it there. Uh, Bogey was good in this one. 16 points, hit four threes on nine attempts. He took nine threes. That's a lot of threes. Um, three assists and a steal for Bogey. Um, two of two on twos actually in this game. I thought he was a, a big plus. And again, uh, he and Hunter were both like kind of wasted effort on offense, unfortunately, but they put, they both played well to kind of paper over what happened in the backcourt. Uh, Jalen was very good again, uh, not quite as uh, you know ridiculous like play to play as he was against Charlotte, but a couple of huge highs. The dunk was mesmerizing. Um, Eleven points, nine rebounds, had a steal and two assists. To turn over three times, not great necessarily, but um, oh two from three, five seven, sorry five six on twos, missed two free throws. Uh, the Hawks actually missed a couple free throws at the end of the game. Trey missed one, and then Jalen missed two. I think in the second half at one point. But anyway. Uh, I thought Jalen was pretty good. He was not probably as dominant as some people might have thought in this one, but I thought he was active. And by the way, played 30 minutes off the bench. That's a lot of minutes, and I think he earned them in this game. Um, to the starters, um, I thought the the Hawks' worst player in this game was Sadiq Bey. Um, I thought Bay was really pretty bad. Uh, five points, one rebound, one assist, one block, one turnover in 26 minutes. Only took four shots, only took two threes. If he's going to play, he's got to shoot. Because that, that's that is his primary appeal is his three point shooting and his spacing and he's also good at bully ball stuff too and right and the right matchup but the Knicks are pretty stout so like that wasn't really on, on the table for him in this game he's got a bomb more than he did in this game and then defensively it was rough now I said it once before or maybe twice before I didn't like the game plan a lot that the Hawks were using I thought like you know Bay is not a great defender by any means in fact he was not good in this game but I would have rather had him go one-on-one -on -one with Julius Randle than having them throw a lot of doubles at him and create open threes um and then when Bay was Bay was on with Jalen you know they didn't even let Jalen go one-on-one -on -one with Randle it's it just a very strange thought process there I, I thought but you know again I'm not saying Bay was like unplayable but he was not very good and I think that was pretty obvious and uh he might have played too much by the end of the game um let's just do this now click Capella 28 minutes, 13 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, and a block. One turnover, uh, three fouls. He was 6-12 on the floor and 1-2 at the free throw line. Uh, obviously, the two misses at the end are indefensible. I'm not even going to try to defend them. I do think he played fairly well before that. Now, I do think, 
And also, as I said on Twitter tonight, I think he was pretty clearly their best center in this game. Now, that, that's not always the case. I think Okongwu is often or at least sometimes as good or better than he is in a, in a game. But this is not this is not one of those games where I thought it was like bad to close with Capella. As Glenn's talked about a lot, my friend Glenn Willis on this podcast and other places, like usually the Hawks will close smaller if they are losing, and they were losing in this game. But I think Okongwu just didn't really play very well, and Capella was better. So I understood why they closed with him. Uh, unfortunately, that did not work out, obviously, for, for, for clear reasons. And again, I, I think it's there's there's just more nuance than Capella's trash or whatever people are saying now. Um, I do think, and this is something that I know my friend Tower Jones and I will talk about at some point on this podcast because he's a little bit lower on Capella in general. I think his point is, is a good one. I, I don't think Capella um, fits that well with what the Hawks are doing right now and doesn't look fantastic athletically. Like, look, Clint is not the same athlete that he was a few years ago. But that's just science it's just what happens but i also think the hawks are running the scheme right now defensively that's much more aggressive and it really plays well for guys like let's just say jalen johnson or dejounte murray even like guys who were kind of more predicated on habit creation and being rangy and all that stuff this system that they're running right now is not good for clint and i feels like they're putting the system in a lot for the future that they kind of probably know clint won't be a part of and that's Okay, it's a big picture conversation about what you know, kind of scheme now versus an install versus like what's the best to win today versus what's the win, win for the future, what the goals are, etc. All that said, and that's a whole long conversation that we could have at a later date. Um, I don't think Clint's being put in, in best position for him, but that's also not, not that that's not what the Hawks are trying to do. Like it's not about putting Clint in a great position. So I think he played fine tonight. I really do. I think he was pretty good for the majority of the game. He also made two very very bad plays in a high leverage moment at the end of the game, would they have won if he makes those? I, I, I don't know for sure. Would they have had a, a better chance? Of course they would. So uh, it's just one of those things. It's going to stick out. I think people have a tendency to, to forget the first 46 minutes of the game. And I would, I would stress that you probably not do that. Cause I think, again, I think he was their best center tonight. And I think Quinn pretty much clearly agreed with that. Cause he played him in crunch time where he didn't have to, but uh, there's also no excuse whatsoever for those last two plays. And I'm sure Clinton would raise his hand and admit that in any form. Okay. Uh, last three guys. DeAndre Hunter was good in this game. Uh, I know he's been the object of a lot of scorn by Hawks fans, um, along with Clint. But I, I think he, after Wednesday, it felt like Hunter got even probably the most negative attention, almost just for existing. Like, I don't think he was very good on Wednesday, but like I don't think he was nearly as bad as Hawks fans were talking about him being. But he was good in this game. 27 points to lead all scores for the Hawks. Um, 8 of 13 from the floor, 8 free throw attempts, and made all 8 of them. 3 of 7 from 3. That's a good number. Six rebounds, had a block, no turnovers. Like Hunter was good in this game. Played good defense. Was he perfect there? No, because nobody was. But I, I thought it was one of his better games in a while. Um, of course, the big question is whether he could do this regularly. And I'll acknowledge that. First, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. He's been doing this, you know, it's, it's this is year five. But I think he played legitimately well. And if the Hawks could have this Hunter, that would be really big for them long term. Because you know, you would you would figure and assume, as we talk about this in a second that DeJounte and Trey will be better than they've been so far. You would hope that that's the case, or they're, or they're going nowhere fast. But if you can get a this kind of Hunter performance, not necessarily this efficiency because he was you know 27 points on 17 shots. It's not going to happen very often for Hunter. But I thought he was just good and aggressive. He was attacking free throw attempts, the three-pointers. He was assertive defensively. Uh, I like what I saw in a lot of ways. Uh, DeJounte, 18 points, seven rebounds, six assists. That all, looks, that, that all looks fine. Had a steal and a block as well. He wasn't very good. In this game, again, he was not efficient. 18 points on 8 of 17 from the floor. Um, not terrible efficiency, but not good. 
Defensively, he's still not really what I think he should be, or at least that he was the Hawks hoped he would be. And like a lot of just questionable shots, not not terrible shots, but only three threes. Took you know a bunch of mid rangers, made a few of them, but a couple of bad misses at times, a couple of bad process decisions. I don't think he was awful, but he's got to be better. And there'll be more attention on Trey, and that's that's part of the that's part of the gig. And also, Trey's just better than Dejounte, so I get that's why. But I think of the two of them, despite the better shooting numbers, I think Dejounte has been worse than Trey through two games. So I'll leave it there. Uh, and finally, Trey Young. So 18 points, 12 assists, three steals for Trey. That looks totally fine. But he was two of eleven on twos. Yikes! Uh, two five and three is actually fine, forty percent, and the eight of ten at the free throw line. So it's really the, the shooting inside the arc in this game. But he is now, I believe, again, he's I believe he's like eight of thirty-five from the floor in two games. It's two games. That ain't good. Um, I will just say I'm, not, I'm I don't know what to make of this, like value judgment wise. But I'll just say Trey has always, or at least almost always, been a slow starter in his career. In fact, last year he shot sub 40% from the field in October. That was his worst month of the year and, and on that metric. Um, he had his worst three-point shooting month of any month two years ago in October. There was no October in 2020-21 after the pandemic shortened season, but he actually shot less than 40% from the field in his first full month that year as well. Um, if you look at his career splits, he has his worst field goal percentage in, in any month in October and his worst true shooting percentage of any month in October. And that is before you get into tonight being 416 from the floor, 18 points on 21 shooting possessions. So obviously, Trey's not been very good by Trey standards the first two games. Um, I think the re- the biggest reason, as I said on the show Wednesday, that the Hawks lost on in Charlotte was because of the guards. They were not very good. Uh, tonight, you know, I wouldn't say that was the biggest reason they lost tonight. I think it was the defense. But they have to get more from Trey Young and Jonte Murray. And Everyone knows it. Trey said it tonight again from the podium. Like I got to be better. Yes, that's correct. Um, am I worried? People keep asking me if I'm worried. No, I'm. I'm not worried about Trey. In fact, I, I worry more about DJ than Trey in a lot of ways. And if there is a worry about Trey Young, it's that he can't get back to the efficiency level he was at two years ago. That is a legitimate concern, and we have to see that from him. But do I think he's going to shoot eight of thirty-five from the floor? No, I don't. So, and the passing has always been there. So, was he good tonight? He he, he absolutely was not. But uh. Yeah, it's more just like an observation and like a reality. Like he's just not made shots for two games. And tonight it was inside the arc. Again, two of 11 on twos is like really rough. Um, Yeah, we'll leave it there for now. I have nothing else to add about Trey. Uh, Last thing before we get out of here on the podcast is a pretty tough schedule spot coming up for the Hawks as well. So at least it's early in the year. Guys' legs should still be pretty fresh. But Sunday's game is in Milwaukee. That is their toughest game on the schedule so far. The Bucks are quite good. And the game is on the road. Provided Milwaukee's key guys, Giannis, Dame Lillard, etc., play in that game, the Hawks will be underdogs, pretty obviously, in Milwaukee. They obviously can win the game. They're capable of that. But it's a tough spot. Then it's a back-to-back. It's pretty tough. The Hawks play at home on Monday, which is better than being on the road. But it's against Minnesota. The Wolves are off on Sunday. So it's a rest, a rest disadvantage for the Hawks in that game. And the Wolves are pretty good. I mean, they're not uh, going to be a title contender, I don't think, this year. But the Wolves are a good team. So I don't really know what to make of that game either. We'll see more. The Wolves actually play on uh, tomorrow, Saturday night, against the Heat at home. So, look, it's a pretty tough spot. Uh, I think one and one on these two games would be a very nice result. Unfortunately, that would leave it one and three. There is a non-zero chance the Hawks are 0-4 at the end of the, at the end of Monday. And that would cause, I'm sure, a lot of panic. And, it, you know, I get it. 
Um, but yeah, not a great time to have to go to Milwaukee on Sunday after two losses. So we'll see how they fare in that game. Um, they do have one of the easiest schedule spots imaginable on Wednesday next week. It's actually Washington at home, and Washington has the worst projected win total in the league, according to FanDuel. So there's that. But in between now and then, two tough, two tough games. Uh, one on the road, one at home, Saturday and Sunday. Sorry, Sunday and Monday. Sunday's in Milwaukee, Monday's at home against the Wolves. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll have full coverage. But look, in the end, as I sign off the podcast, the Hawks were not very good today. And uh, that's, you know, defensively, it's, 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 it's a loss that you can live with in the big picture. It gets magnified because it's the second game of the season and they lost the first game. But uh, we'll have much more coming up on Sunday into Monday and talk all about that game and more in big picture context. We'll have guests on the show coming up. Please subscribe to the podcast as well. I really appreciate everyone for diving into the show already. But please subscribe and tell a friend. Check us out across podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Ratings and reviews, likes, all that fun stuff. Appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend, everyone, and we'll see you after the game on Sunday.